Welcome to the Prenda Family Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Crapo, and the purpose of this podcast is to talk about the components of empowerment in a conversational, inspirational, and real way. And today, we get to talk to Dr. Claire Honeycutt. She has a PhD in biomedical engineering with a specialty in neurophysiology. She's an assistant professor at Arizona State University. She's in the School for Biological and Health Systems Engineering. And her research focuses on learning and rehabilitation following disease and injury, as well as educational research into best teaching practices for university education. And you guys, she's also a mother of two and a Prenda mom. And you guys will will feel this in our conversation, but Claire is a wonderful person with so much great insights. And I'm really excited to talk about how the brain learns with her today. Thanks for being on, Claire. I'm so excited to be here. It's such an honor. I've been I've an avid listener of the podcast, so it's it's super neat to be here and, and get to contribute. Oh, it's so great. So let's dive right on in. Claire, tell us, with all of your insight about how the brain learns, what does learning look like in the brain? Okay. So in order to understand learning in the brain, you kind of have to understand what's going on inside the brain. So on a very high level, you have these cells inside the brain. Most people have heard of them called neurons. And these neurons talk to each other through um, some chemical processes. And so what learning is, is really getting the right neurons to talk to each other um, over the right different parts of the brain. So different parts of your brain do different things. You have a part of your brain that does hearing and a part of a brain that does um, movement and a part of the brain that does um, visual, so like sees things. And so it's trying to get all of these different parts talking to each other over time. And so learning, um, particularly when you're younger, is a lot just trying to say, okay, well, I need, if like, let's say we're trying to learn to read. Well, I need the visual part of my brain to talk to the language centers of my brain um, and to and get all those things to work. And they don't start there. Like at first you're just kind of seeing, seeing shapes, but that doesn't necessarily connect to your language part of your brain. And so over time, those connections get stronger and stronger and stronger. And so that's kind of the very high level about how your brain learns. And something really cool that I learned from Claire is that a child's learning is different from an adult's learning. Claire, can you tell us more about that? Absolutely. So kids learning, and you probably have seen this, right? Kids are just amazing learners, right? So they, uh, they are just, uh, just little sponges and you've watched them just pick up things that you just didn't think they could pick up in the time window that they can pick up. And as an adult, we can still learn, obviously you can learn things, but it's so much harder and it takes so much longer. You probably heard that like kids, like you should always learn a second language when you're little. Right. And it's true because the more you're exposed to things when you're little, um, your brain can just adapt. Um, We call the brain being um, we call it neuroplasticity. So it means that the brain is very plastic when you're young. Um, When you think about a metal, it's really hard and it's really rigid. When you think about plastic, plastic, you can like melt and you can mold it. You can like leave it out in the sun and it'll like change its shape. Right. So it's like super plastic. So it's the structure is still there, but you can get it to do all sorts of different things over time. And young brains are this way. And, and actually it's really important when they're young that they have lots of different connections with different pieces. So you're really trying to get as many of the brain parts to talk to each other as they possibly can over time. And there's some things that if you don't learn them as a child, you can't learn them as an adult. So language is actually a good example. 
So there are certain sounds with languages that are different in Eastern cultures than Western cultures. And if you're not exposed to those sounds when you're younger, you will never be able to hear that language when you get older. So it's why people who um, from the West that move to the East and learn a new language there, um, they will always speak with an accent if they did it as an adult. Um, and, this, and the reverse is also true. So you'll meet people that have lived in the United States for you know 50 years and still have an accent it's because they literally, that part of their brain that hears the difference, it didn't develop. I actually also have this. So um, I had a lazy eye when I was born and if you, and so it, my mother actually had to patch my eyes. So it made my, 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 my lazy eye do its job. And if, if she had not done that, I would have gone blind in that part of my, my, my eye because my body would just be like, oh, I don't even need that information. I'm just going to ignore it altogether. And, but because she did that as a child, I will always have sight in my eye as an adult. So it's, it's so important that they just get, you just get so many cool things going on with the kids when they're little. You know, Claire, as you're saying this, a couple of things come up for me as a parent. So I would love for you to address a couple of these things. First, it makes me really appreciative of Prenda's vast selection of activities that our children can do. Because what I understood from what you said is that it's important to have children make all sorts of connections in all sorts of different places, right? Not the same task over and over and over again. So I'd love for you to expound off of that. But then the next thing that's coming up for me as you're talking about this is panic. That if there's only a certain window that my kids can learn, then I just need to cram everything into their little minds right now. I thought as you were saying this, oh no, I've got to get my kids into Mandarin and all these different classes because I'm thinking that there's this certain window here. And I know, I've, I know I'm not the only one who's felt this. I've, I've talked to other guides who've also had this fear. Uh, they see this vast array of subjects that Prenda offers and they say, yeah, you know, I mean, collaborates great and creates fine, but I really just want to focus on the real learning, which is conquer, right? So they tend to have this heavy focus on that. So if you could just expound off of those two contradictory feelings that are coming up for me, first, this gratitude for the variety of subjects in Prenda, but then also this panic of, oh no, there's only a certain window for this kind of stuff. And maybe I just need to cram it all into my children's minds right now. 100%. Um, you know, it's really funny as I was explaining this and I was talking about how it's so important. I was having this little mini panic attack being like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like I really need to get my kids and more stuff. Um, even though I know this to be true, but all right, let's, let's chill out and let's, let's talk about it. And the truth is, is that, so let's give this example of my brother. Okay. So my brother has always been like really into sounds. And so he, I don't even know why, like he was really into like music and all these different sorts of musical sounds. Okay. And so he learned like this, this throat singing thing. And so he had all these really unusual things. And so he didn't start learning Mandarin until he was 19 or 20, which is really on the cusp. Your brain is still a little plastic in that window, but it's super closing. And he was still able to pick it up because he had this really strong interest in sounds and music when he was younger. So it's not so much that they have to be exposed to Mandarin if you want them to be able to speak Mandarin, but they do need to be able to understand that their interests will you know, build up. And so what he was doing is he was training his ear in a way that most people don't. So, and that, it's not to say when I said, oh, and Westerners move to, you know, Eastern countries, 
nobody would have that capacity. That's not true. It just means that most people won't unless they tried. Uh, and so I think when we talk about like the diversity of things they're being exposed to and the different parts of their brain that are being used. So most knowledge, there's different types of knowledge. There's knowledge that's like remembering and understanding things. Those things you can kind of learn whenever. You don't need to be young to learn those. The things that you have to be able to learn when you're young are like learning how the different, getting the different parts of the brain to talk to each other. It's one of the things why we're concerned about screen time, passive screen time. And I would be very careful with this. And when we're talking about passive screen time, where you're just staring at a screen and you're not interacting with the screen, then all your training is vision and, and auditory. And so those parts of the brain are talking to each other, but nothing else. You're not necessarily thinking really complicated about it. You're not necessarily using your skills, but if you're using a computer, now you're probably typing. That means you're using your language part of your brain. You're using your motor skills, your hand-eye motor coordination. You're interacting with the material. You're um, doing all those kinds of things. And so you're trying, when you, you understand that now you're talking about lots of different centers of your brain and lots of your centers talking to each other, right? Same thing when they're out, like, you know, a lot of times we'll do things like teach kids how to sew before we learn how to write, right? So it's the same thing. Like you're trying to get them to just be exposed to the physical kinds of natures of things that you want them to be doing. And so when you think about like critical thinking and those kinds of activities, those are the things you want them to be exploring. And you want those parts of the brain, like, you know, the prefrontal cortex, which is like about like how to sit and how to focus. If you can train that when you're young, which is just giving them the opportunity to explore um, things really deeply, that is something that they need to learn and be exposed to. And then if they get into some sort of uh, weird mathematical thing when they're 30, they can still learn it because they have that capacity to sit and focus. So it's not that you need to cram all the information in. It's rather that you're trying to train the brain or give the brain as many opportunities to think in as many different ways and, and the physical body too. So like this, this pairing of like your thoughts and your body is actually very important. So giving them lots of opportunities to run and be physical with their, like their whole body, but also doing fine motor tasks. If your kids are really into sewing or piano or typing, these are great, like fine motor tasks. So they'll be great with their phones and <laughs> swiping and all that kind of crazy stuff eventually, because that's the world. That's the world that we live in. So I don't think we should stress about the facts, the like knowledge base, but rather of learning how to learn, learning how to connect all the pieces together. Those are the kinds of things. So, and, and they can do that in almost any topic, if that makes sense. Are we calmer? I feel much better about that. Thank you, Claire. So something that we discussed before this episode started was that we talked about this concept of technology and how it has changed so much in the past 10 to 20 years. And we talked about that implication on education. So Claire mentioned that uh, what students need to know now is different from what we needed to know as students. We can all remember when we think back to our school experience, we remember that school was all about the regurgitation of information, right? It was a lot of memorization. We read, we regurgitated, and then we moved on to the next section of learning. And something that Claire brought up is that what's almost more important than like, do you have this memorized? Can you tell me the name of the 50 states and all of their capitals, which guys, I still know I can still sing the song of the 50 states uh, because that's the kind of thing that I needed to learn when I was a kid. Claire mentioned 
that what our learners really need to know today is how to have new thoughts, how to make new connections, how to ask questions, how to be creative, how to put things together together critically and analyze data and know which data is the better data. So those kind of things are more important than do you know the capital of Texas? They can just Google that. What is the capital of Texas? Hey, Google, what is the capital of Texas? You know, um, it's all at their fingertips. So it's not necessarily the pinnacle of information that our students need to know today. Claire, could you expound on that a little bit? Yeah, 100%. I agree with everything you just said. Um, I think that I think it's really hard as a parent because what's really easy to quantify is math. Do you know your times tables? Do you know your addition? Do you know how to describe something in an equation? Can you read this many words? How many words can you, how fast are you reading? These are things you can quantify. They're very easy to quantify. And it's not that you don't need them. I would say that they're like the foundation. You can't, as an adult, you can't, it's very hard to learn something new if you can't read, right? Yes. Um, and it's very hard to learn, you know, add, you know, a lot of our sciences and to do finances and all that kind of stuff requires some basic math knowledge. So you have these foundational pieces that are really critical, but that's not the pinnacle, like you said, the pinnacle of learning and the pinnacle of new, of the, of the world is the creation of new ideas. Um, being able to analyze things, evaluate things, to be able to say, how is this different from that? Like you just said, information, all the information you could ever want is at your fingertips. Um, it's infinite, it's there, but we know that not all the information is created equal. You know, even in the medical world, I mean, I think we can all relate to medical science being, um, it's been so much in our, in our world right now. And if you go, even as a scientist, like I go to the literature and I read the literature and there's, you know, I actually teach this in my grad class. It's like, okay, there's going to be articles that disagree. How do you make a decision about which of these articles is more reliable, which is, you know, and you can talk about how you do that, but, but that is such an, a more important skill than just memorizing something is or is not true, right? Like this fact or this, whatever. It's like, how do you understand, you know, addition? Do you understand how to figure out what eight times nine is? Not do you have the number off the top of your head? Most people don't really need to walk around knowing exactly what the, your times tables are, but they need to understand what multiplication is. And so I think, the more you can encourage your kids to be in these kind of unquantifiable areas, right? Like I love Prenda's create modes and their collaborate modes because that's exactly what you're asking your kids to do. You're saying, okay, what if we did it this way? Let's have someone else take a different opinion. How do you, how do you deal with someone else having a different opinion? Well, where did they get their opinion from? And, and are they using you know, information that makes sense? Have you, can you think through it? Can you understand it? And then the creation of new ideas, I mean, that, that is the goal. That's the whole point of all of this is to create new. And so I think as much as you can encourage your kids to be in that space and to feel comfortable in that space, so many people are so uncomfortable with doing something divergent, with doing something really big. And, um, and I know we've talked about this before. My kids are kind of obsessed with Elon Musk. It might be my fault. <laughs> I let them watch a lot of rockets taking off. And there's this amazing video of him and he's on like some sort of like um, TV show. And they're basically saying, he's like, you know, um, like some of the like Buzz Aldrin and some of these older science, like astronauts are basically saying that what he was doing was stupid and that it was a silly idea. And you just watch him tear up and just be like, I don't, I don't know, but he did, he's doing amazing things. He's just doing things that nobody thought was possible. He's like, we're going to go to Mars and I'm going to, I'm going to build a rocket that goes up and, and that, 
that flies back down. I'm going to build things that can land by themselves on planets, you know, that take six months to get to like that, that is the pinnacle of, of success. And you're going to fail a lot along the way. And you're going to get to all these places, but to feel comfortable in that space where people are going to say, that's a bad idea, (laughs) you know, um, or that's, you know, but that's, that's creation. That's, that's the newness and to be able to push through and to feel comfortable in that raw space. I mean, that's, that's, isn't that what we all hope for our kids? So I visited a micro school this weekend and what the students and guide do for each other is they clap for each other whenever they make mistakes. It's just a tradition they do. And I love that idea. They're not even prompted by the guide anymore. They just do it. And it's this beautiful tradition of, hey, mistakes aren't anything to be ashamed of or afraid of. This actually means that you're one step closer to figuring that out, right? Um, I think that it's so much of the difference that Prenda allows us to do that because I feel like in a, in a lot of the other systems of schooling, it's like, we well, have to get it right. And if you don't get it right, well, that was your only shot. And so now you're a, now you're a C student because you did this one time versus this model where it's like, okay, well, you didn't get it right that time. Let's keep going. Let's try it again. Let's, let's, let's do it as many times as you need to do it to get it perfect. Right. And it's teaching that growth mindset where you get to try over and over and over again. And I think, you know, we don't think about, you don't think about psychology as being something that you can learn, but it is, it is something that you can learn. You can teach mindset. Uh, you can't change behavior. You can't change personality, but you can change how you deal with your personality. So I, I, my oldest is a perfectionist. It all has to be perfect. And she doesn't like that. She hates, like she feels once it's like the end of the world. And I, and she, but we're working on it. It's just like, you're not learning if you're not feeling this is mantra and that she can learn to manage those feelings. And, and that is, that is part of learning. And the more we can do it. So my husband is also, he's the same personality and he's trying to learn this as an adult. And it's so wild to watch him like spend years trying to like learn how to manage that, like this perfectionist in him. Whereas with, with her, we've been working with her for like six months and it's not perfect, but she, you can so see the difference in her. So like even teaching, you know, how to manage how you feel about failure, how you feel about these things, that is something that's learnable. And, and the more you can be exposed to that way of thinking as a child, I mean, world, I mean, just, it just, it's, you have so many endless possibilities. Well, talk about a life skill. I can think of no other skill that can help you in every aspect of your life. And a skill that I feel like can only be taught on a small scale in a small little community, like your home or a micro school environment. Claire, as always, thank you so much for sharing those insights. I learned so many phenomenal concepts from you. And this concludes part one of a part two series about how the brain learns. Next week, Claire is going to talk to us about how to stack the deck for learning. And what that means is Claire's going to talk to us about how we can set up our environments of learning to get the most out of our learning. She's going to give us lots of practical, usable tips for all of us parents and guides to learn from and to implement in our micro schools. Thanks for joining us, Claire. It's always a pleasure. Always so fun to talk to you. And just as a reminder to all of our listeners, the opinions and comments shared in this podcast are not the official opinions and comments of Prenda. The purpose of this podcast is to continue an ongoing conversation about education and empowerment. If you'd like to continue this conversation with us in person, join our lunch and chat every Thursday at 12 p.m. Arizona time. Everyone is welcome. And if you can't make a lunch and chat, not a problem. 
you can reach out to us at familyguidesatprana.co to share with us what your thoughts are about the podcast or to suggest topics for future podcasts. We want this podcast to serve you. We look forward to hearing from you. See you next time.